Welcome to Pl- Playback by Playlister, the bi-weekly podcast where you can stay current on technology and leadership ideas that impact you. Here's today's host and Playlister CEO, Grant Glass. All right, so here with me today is Jason Lee. And Jason, uh, I want you to tell me a little bit about your organization. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, we are a church in central Indiana. We, uh, our original location is about three plus years old. And then about five years ago, we started campusing. So right now we have three locations that are meeting and each location has local staff and a campus pastor. And then we have a central support team that supports all those regional locations. Um, we're a church that is generally on the front side of um, trying new things to reach people. Um, we want to be a church that's known for what we're for, not for what we're against, and um, just want to be who Jesus was to our communities. And how long have you been over at Oak Brook, Jason? Um, yeah, I've been on staff here for 15 years, actually. I went to school in Cincinnati, um, and for a while studied, I almost became an engineer, um, and then as strange life things go, found myself working in the church and becoming a pastor. Um, so for about 15 years, I've gone up through the technical and creative arts on our teams here, and then about four years ago, um, as we started making the shifts into multiplication and campusing models, I took over as um, the executive pastor. Um, so my role here as executive pastor is I oversee those locations and the operations. You've been doing this for 15 years. You've learned a lot along the way, and it sounds like you were able to almost transform your understanding of the business world, the technical side of running a church, and the people side of running the church. So maybe tell me a bit about your your background and your personal mission. I I really think that for a long time, a lot of churches have operated, um, I don't want to say poorly, but maybe not efficiently is a better word to say that. Um, mm. Maybe not on the front side of excited to quickly change technology and try new things and maybe be on the front side of innovation. Um, and it's just always bugged me how churches have been that way. So over here in our little mm. corner of the world, we've done a lot of experimenting with different ways to, um, you know, accomplish our mission, mission one, but then also how can I find creative um, and unique ways to support the staff team that's on the ground doing stuff. Um, and then as the complexities grow with multiple facilities and locations, and uh, one of our locations is portable, so it's a set up and tear down every week in a movie theater. So it just creates... Um, complexities. And I think probably for a long time, the church has been a little fearful of making too many changes or waves. And we're excited to be a place that uh, tries to be on the front side of that instead of the back side, um, and then try to press into some of these areas that um, I can just see through my experience leading in a church that innovation is needed. Um, and then that innovation can 10 times your effectiveness yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that complexity. What challenges are you seeing when you sort of push the envelope of, of change within an organization that's maybe uh, resistant to it? 
yeah, I think you learn a lot when you try to do change. I think anybody yeah. listening that's trying to change anything can resonate deeply with that. Um, mm-hmm. And the more quickly you change things, the more that happens as well. But uh, just realizing, I think early on that if I could collectively share attention um, with the people in an area that I'm trying to change something with, um, that I try to do my hardest to try to work to get them on the same page with me, that everyone in the room could all agree, we can't stay here. This isn't working well. Um, mm-hmm. You got to just change. You're going to try something to be more effective because at the end of the day, what we're doing now is, you know, for a multitude of reasons. Um, in our settings, one of the challenges uh, was delivering curriculum to multiple venues um, and supporting multiple uh, locations, all delivering the exact same curriculum at the same times, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And then how do we dispense that when our locations are 30 to 40 to an hour away from each other um, without, you know, just sending runners every single week. Um, Mm -hmm. So some of those um, complexities and challenges are what I get really fired up about. Um, But I know as uh, someone who likes that, um, I have to pace myself and help people catch up and understand where we're headed. Mm. Yeah, that's so fascinating that you mentioned the like one consistent message across multi-campuses it's something that's come up again and again on this podcast. And it's interesting where sometimes that starts in the classrooms where you've got the younger folks coming to all of, uh, all of your buildings, all your facilities, and with your um, kids' ministry, they're learning new things. They're talking with their parents every single week. And that, it's that consistent message it kind of starts there and resonates to the dinner table and a conversation of what's going on, what am I learning, and just life in general at church and at school. So what are what are some of the challenges, having said that, that you're seeing in your classrooms today? Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would like resonate with what you're saying about the consistency. Um, delivering video curriculum gives us an uh, opportunity to be consistent over multiple locations at much different scales. Um, Our original uh, location is in a multi-million dollar facility with much more full-time staff. Our portable location is um, mostly volunteer-driven with very part-time staff. Um, And so what we're able to to do is deliver a consistent experience across those outside of those other um, things things that are going to change in the other variables. Um, and then the the other classroom that, as you were just saying, that made me think is we do uh, assimilation or like first-time guest kind of experience. We call first step and second step. That's all classroom driven. Um, and so that in the same way are happening the same times across three locations. And my three campus or location pastors are teaching those. Um, and in the past, we've had to use a booklet and then counted on trainings we do with staff that those all happen the same way everywhere. Um, mm. And what mm-hmm. Playlisters enabled us to do, even just over this last, we're in the middle of a run right now. Um, what it's enabled us to do is basically in real time, 
we can push the presentation curriculum and make changes. And then as each location, I know they're going through the same presentation. Um, and so I know our branding is consistent. I know that when I put slides up on the screen, not that my campus pastors won't say the right things the right way, but you know, from my seat at a central kind of position, I know what people are seeing, what's getting on the screen is the way we want to talk about everything and the way we want it to look. Um, and it just helps me control the brand, our communication, um, and how we talk about these kind of things. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, the the communication with the volunteers is critical. It's like a two-way street of trust, right? The volunteer trusts you and you trust the volunteer. That's where magical things happen. And, and what I'm finding is a lot of these volunteers, it's also the consistent basis in which they're able to connect with their classroom that they're teaching. Like, are, are they coming in weekly? Are they coming in just once a month? And then how comfortable are they with the content of which they're uh, presenting? Uh, and are they, do they have the ability to connect with the people in, in the classroom? And that is where I think a lot of people are sh struggling with how to make that better. There seems to be no silver bullet, but it, it, it's interesting to me because I think technology can actually help bridge bridge that that gap between the volunteer just being com like fully comfortable, right, and wanting to engage more because they can they don't have to worry about anything else but just connecting with the people that are present so yeah one of the things that, i'll just go ahead yeah no go well one of the things i'll just speak to and that is um one of the my one of my favorite things about technology is when it kind of presses into the background um yeah. and then it just executes flawlessly and you don't even really notice it so it's one of the ways we're even shifting job descriptions for staff and volunteers that are away from having to worry about curriculum because I can give a person at one of our locations and say, you just worry about these kids and these volunteers and these people because I, I want to pay you at this location to do only what you can do and for you to not worry about whether the curriculum and the TV's plugged in right and everything's set up, you just show up and the technology is going to work for you and you click this button and then you're on, and that just sets the stage for you to really have the impact that you were created to have. That's great. That empowers a volunteer. Like, that message, like, me going into your facility and saying, hey, this kid's room, it's yours today. And guess what? You know, just turn this on and then just simply go through the – are you using video content in the classroom, Jason? Yeah, video and graphics. So what we're hoping to, we have, um, and it's not all staff, too, to speak to that. I don't have um, paid staff in all the environments that we operate. Um, and so what it allows us to do is everything's set and ready ahead of time, and then those volunteers can come in, and the technology just works for them. It's a button yeah. that they click, and it just works, and they don't have to yeah. think about that but it serves them and what they're doing and helps them have a greater impact. And then at the end of the day, um, as all of us have probably here and there experienced a technological frustration at some point, whether it's a computer that doesn't work or slow Wi-Fi, or those, those things just create tension and can create hard moments. 
Um, and so mm-hmm. simplifying that process for us and eliminating that tension from a volunteer's pathway as they engage um, is, is just brilliant um, and lets them just do what they should do. Yeah, there's nothing like giving a presentation. I don't care if it's in front of five toddlers or 50 adults where your presentation starts to uh, mess up because of technology. That'll make you start to uh, sweat. And, yeah. <laughs> and then you just kind of second, you're like, man, that wasn't too great. Like, I didn't feel too good about that. And, and then maybe you second great. guess, you know, going in the next week to volunteer, right? So yeah, stop creating that safe experience. Well, on the topic of technology, I, I, I love talking to folks like you, Jason, because you're always kind of pushing the envelope in all of your facilities and how technology can help you. I'm curious, in the next few years, how do you see your organization or other similar organizations evolving? Yeah, I mean, I think we're in the midst, we all know it, of this gigantic digital disruption um, that is affecting every industry on the planet. Um, I'm, I work in an industry that is ancient, <laughs> um, thousands of years old, um, and, but there's other organizations um, in our world that, you know, the Amazon effect is a real thing. That's uh, the world mm. is changing. The way people get information is changing. The way people um, get what they want to get is changing. Um, and the way people interact with organizations is changing. And so I think we're just, um, the future is about digital and is about disruption. And I think it's about, um, we're thinking a lot about scale in different ways. And we're thinking a lot about um, how can we scale simply uh, and easily and quickly? Um, How can we create maybe more elaborate or more well thought out systems that appear more simple on the surface to the average person? Um, and I think, you know, speaking specifically in my industry and in the church, there's, um, so much room for innovation and we carry a message that's thousands of years old. That's been, cha- the message hasn't been changed, but the methods of presenting it and interacting with it have dramatically changed, you know, every 50 or 20 years, the whole thing changes. Um, and so we're, we're just, I think almost every industry is in that season. How can we get more effective? How can we make things better? How can we um, answer more effectively the questions our customers, consumers, churchgoers are asking? Um, And then how can we maybe step out and take a risk um, and maybe be one of the first people that can access something or be one of the first people that innovate in a space? one of the guys I listen to a lot, uh, his, his name's Andy Stanley. He always says, ask these questions about what's your unique and better product? Um, what makes you uniquely you? And I think in a lot of um, markets, there's opportunity to innovate in this digital technology space um, that could potentially become a unique and better product that sets you apart from competition or sets you apart from um, other people that, may look like you or talk similarly, um, but there could be something different about your organization, my organization, as we implement and we change and um, leverage the technology. Yeah, it's, I always am fascinated. The, it's almost like a beautiful juxtaposition of religion and technology. And we're at a time now where technology can scale that message 
unlike any other time in history. And you've got this Amazon effect that you spoke about where the consumer or just the general public expects a certain delivery of things. And they're so used to it because they're ordering Amazon every day. They're using their iPhone every day. So they, what has to happen is organizations like yourself then have to apply that type of thinking to their message. And the ones that can do it the quickest, um, we're, we're seeing them have tremendous success. And I applaud you because here in Indiana, I know you guys are doing that at Oak Brook. Um, I, I, Jason, um, I, I think this is the perfect segue, and I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, and it's my final question. What books do you find yourself recommending the most to, to people, maybe on your team? And then is there a certain favorite book that you always go back to uh, that, that you love reading time to time? Yeah, um, with just my role in um, with the multi-campus reality and how we're thinking about scale all the time, there's, when you say that, there's two initially that just come to my mind that I reference all of the time. One's called The Checklist Manifesto. Do you know that book? Love it. Um, oh yeah, spectacular, um, and it, it has cr- created huge ripples in our organization. Everybody yeah. hates me sometimes because I'm the checklist guy. Um, you got a checklist for that? <laughs> no, the checklist manifesto is one of my favorites. I'm going to stop you there because um, yeah. Atul, I, oh gosh, his last name Atul Goandi. I know I probably just butchered yeah. that. Um, that is fascinating. For you, those of you that don't know about the book, he is, I believe, a surgeon. Is that correct, Jason, in Boston? Yep. yep. And, yep. and he broke down all surgeries into checklists. And every checklist, I think, can be no more than seven steps. And by creating these checklists, they found that they had an amazing improvement on their performance in the hospital. And the actual uh, WHO organization took these checklists to doctors worldwide and it just transformed the entire medical experience. And uh, a tools book also, Being Mortal, is all time one of my favorite books. You can hear me getting amped up about it. Uh, But I love it. Great recommendation. The other one I've been loving is The Four Disciplines of Execution by Chris McChesney. Um, Are you familiar with that one? I am not. Well, that's good. I was hoping I'd find one that you weren't familiar with. Yes, um, I'm. And that that book right is about now. that book is about organizational, you know, change and um, execution. Like how 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 do you how can you really execute the highest possible way? Um, I think the I think the tagline something like achieving your wildly important goals or objectives mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a brilliant read. And that, that again has really changed some of the ways we operate as a team and as a staff. Thanks brother. I appreciate the time. Always insightful. Oh, always love, oh. always love chatting with you. Yeah. Th- thanks to you and what you're doing and blazing a new trail. Um, and we're, we're all going to benefit from it. For more ideas or to simply learn more about today's podcast, visit us online at www.playlister.app forward slash podcast.